Good morning, Peacock. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. I know. It, I think it's been a minute. I know that's because we were away for the Thanksgiving situation. You know, we have to tend to the turkey. I was going to say a, a little thing, something a little bit more. Um, we were spending quality time, that which we couldn't do in our previous year when we were working. But okay, we're know. tending to the turkey. Well, the Salvadoran turkey in my family needs a lot of attention. Uh, you know, it needs to be, you know, massaged and needs therapy and needs to be refrigerated and needs to, it needs a lot because, you know, panes con chumpe, it's, it's no serious. So, um, that's what the situation is there. Okay. All right. So uh, today, what I wanted to do was we wanted to talk about our summer program in Spain. Uh, we had that wonderful Black Friday special. And I think that some people have questions about what is it? Um, what does a day-to-day feel like? Um, you know, what is a UNESCO World Heritage Site? Because those are some questions that folks have, especially because if they have student graduates who are going to be going away, they want to make sure that they're well-informed about what the program offers, who's accompanying them, and what is, you know, the program really entails. So I think that today on To Peacock's Travel, we're going to talk about our summer program. So let's get started, Anna. Perfect. I love it. Cause I, I do, like you said, I think, you know, it's kind of a twofold of information. We're going to be giving information that's interested, that's interesting for the parents, but also interesting to the students because we get parents want to know like, who's going to be with them? How are they going to travel? Like all of the parent type of questions. Right. And then you got the students. What are we going to do? What exactly do, do we have to do? And I think that us being able to yes. cover both perspectives is helpful. Um, and we can keep adding information. The other thing someone suggested is, you know, put it on on our social media because people, as they're following, it's little tad bits of information. So one of the things that, you know, I want to start with is what you kind of mentioned to begin with for parents. This is a trip that is organized, completely operated and executed by both of us. So there's two of us to the group of students. And so I want parents to be um, be okay with the idea that traveling abroad is not only is it going to be so beneficial for the students, and we'll talk about the benefits. Are you like in my cup too? You're in my cup too. This is a new peacock uh, cup that we got from a little junior baby girl, our little friend that we met many years ago. And so for, was this for our birthdays? We hadn't seen each other in, I don't know how long, but it might be one of those birthday, Christmas, Valentine's day thing, you know, but yes, we both have these beautiful peacock cups, but you need to get out of my mind. So I know get out of my head. Um, so I do, I want to give parents peace of mind because I mean, Sandy, for you, even how we got started on this, right. You had asked me about sending Ryan with my family, but peace of mind for you was that, um, it was, he was going to be with my family, right? That he was going to go somewhere where someone was going to be able to guide him. And, you know, that's how the first idea started. Not that you, and, and for you, I think, you know, travel has always been in your blood. So you're a little bit more, um, you're comfortable with the idea of him having to go, you know, abroad and maybe have like, you know, okay, we're going to go express, uh, we're going to go spend some time with someone that you don't know because you yourself did it. You went across the country at 15 with no cell phone. Um, you didn't know the family 
but you, you did. And so I think that for some parents, you know, I haven't sent my children abroad um, by themselves. I, I've sent them with a school, a group of uh, students. Um, so there definitely is going to be, you know, someone that's going to help guide them and everything. So for parents is to give you peace of mind that for all the students that come with us, the, we are with them um, 24-7. So well, that's you know like the first have, thing. You know who didn't have peace of mind back in 1987 was Vicky. Uh, so just to kind of give you a background, how it all happened. So I was a sophomore in high school and I was already taking, I think it was maybe like advanced French or maybe AP French. Cause there's only like two of us in AP French. It was me and my friend Pia Juan Luxmi Vitya. I'll never forget her name. Cause she was from, um, Thailand. And so anyway, so my teacher says to me, hey, would you like to go to France this summer? And I was like, France? Like, sure, you know. So I went home and I told my mom. And she was like, well, don't you want a quinceañera? And I was like, oh, my God, really? No, no. way. Like, no. no. First of all, at that age, it was kind of weird. Because I know you That's remember, true. like, I didn't want all that attention on me. I just remember as a kid, every time we had a birthday party, I ended up crying. I don't know why. And really? Yeah, because my mom would get mad at me because I wasn't smiling in the pictures or because I didn't blow out the fucking candles. Excuse me, sorry. I didn't blow out the candles. And so, you know, whatever. So I was like, no, I don't want a party. So it was like actually a great uh, excuse, right, not to have a huge party. I'm an only child, so my mom, I'm sure. Yeah, and so I'm sure my mom in her mind thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to have a quinceañera. But anyways, so I said yes. Uh, I think that she thought it was just going to be like one of those things that, you know, we hope it happens, but we really hope it doesn't. So she told me I had to get a job to kind of help out because they, they paid for everything except for the airfare. So, and I had to go to downtown LA to go get a visa. It was like a big deal. Well, I got a job. I got a job across from Hollywood Presbyterian at a restaurant called, I don't know, something at Puerto, something like that. It was a Mexican restaurant. Anyways, I had a job Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So she was like, oh, my God, this little girl, like, she's really determined. So anyways, I ended up going. And on this trip, I went to go stay with the family. It was three daughters, mom and dad, in a small town called Montmartre, which is probably closer to Spain than it is to Paris. Um, but I met great people on an airplane, um, people that I'm still in touch with. I know Anna's like, I can't even believe you still talk to those people. But, you know, it was such an experience because I had never been, A, on an airplane by myself. B, I had never left, I think, California at that time. I mean, I had gone to El Salvador as a child, but that was it. And so it was definitely, and I wasn't, I don't remember being scared or anything. I think I was more excited, but yeah. the unknown, right, of of the, the people that I was meeting on the airplane, I thought I was like, what in the heck is going on with these people? This girl that I sat with stole a bottle of champagne and they were on okay. the airplane. Yeah, they were like, whoever stole the bottle of champagne, please return. I was like, oh girl, the one sitting next to me has got the bottle of champagne. She was like, you want to go in the restroom and drink it? I was like, oh, no, I don't want to go to the restroom and drink it. I was shocked. I was like, I must have been like the most quietest person because I was being exposed to so many things. So anyway, so we get to my family and, you know, the experience in itself was to die for. I mean, A, of course, you learn so many things. A, they thought that because I lived in California that I surfed every day. 
I ate hot dogs <laughs> and hamburgers every day. And they asked me if I knew Madonna. And I oh. was like, what? I was like, Madonna? Does she live in LA? I have no idea. The material girl. Yeah. So they were like, oh. But that day, I remember when I arrived, I slept, I think, a whole day. And something crazy because of the jet lag, right? And when I woke up, the mom says, oh, you know, there's some friends here to see you. I'm like, friends? I don't have no friends. What are you talking about? And I walked into their living room, and there must have been 20 people there. 20 people. And I was you, like, oh, my God. You're the center of attraction. Like, talk you know about, what I realized? Talk about not wanting attention from your birthday parties. You were it. You were the attention. But I disappointed Anna because they thought I was going to be a blonde like beach girl the stereotype you were going to be Barbie the old school Barbie and then I freaking let them down real nicely and slow right when I was like no I do not eat hamburgers and I do not like the beach and I do not know Madonna so everybody can go home now well just from your story, let's talk about all the things, the benefits that you got out of this. And this is what I want parents to know. The benefits of student traveling, especially during the year of high school graduation and college, there's so many benefits. And just from your story right now, I'm talking about you made new friends that to this day, you it's an, it's an extension of your network. Whether you've kept close or not, you know that you can pick up because you have that shared memory of a child, you know, a childhood of adventures. So A, you meet new friends. You get out of your comfort zone, which prepares you when you're going into the real world, right? When we're in high school, we're in our little high school group and we're hanging out in the field or we're hanging on the cafeteria. It's, you know, in your vicinity, your local neighborhood. But stepping onto an airplane into unknown territory. And the good thing was that you were 15 with no fear because you just went. You may have, may have been shy, but you were just kind of observing, taking things back, which is what we in, we we want to uh, encourage our students to do. I know it's completely out of the of the realm of what you're used to, but that's just it. Take it all in, build new fr- friends. Your confidence. How confident were you after that? When you like, I got on a plane and I knew how to maneuver through the line. You got through the check in, the security. What was your confidence level? And to this day, Jessica, you still tell me. How for them, it was an incredible experience that I went away. And I was like, what? Like they, to this day, I mean, it's been 30. They got you know, to watch you, right? From, from the sidelines, they got to watch. And you came back a different person. You built independence. Yes. You had personal growth, right? Um, you learned how to ask questions and figure out things that you may not have had the answer at the moment, but you lost that fear. And so I think it's really important, you know, for parents and for students to know that, you know, there's always a solution to a problem. Now, that's one yes. of the things that you learn as you go along the way. Um, you talk to people, you get to know cultures, you know, like they thought you were going to be the blonde hair, blue eye, eat hamburgers and hot dogs and you surf every day. You're like, eh, that's not what it, you know, but it really does expand They're like, oh, do you think that they don't remember? Remember the American that didn't look like the American, but she was here that, you know, those are things that you can only experience. I can't tell you about it. You tell us the story, but we don't feel what you were feeling. You only, it comes from you from within. So yes. I think that student travel, this, your story in itself is so, provides so much value because it's a window into what is possible. So just like you did it, 
we want to expand this opportunity to other students for growth, for, for individuality, for, um, you know, self-independence, for confidence, to establish a network. Because what is the value of a network, Sandy? It's huge. Oh my God. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, you know, the people that I still talk to, but Kadisha Bagwell, who oh, was from the yeah. Bronx, I'll never forget that. So he actually is an international attorney who lives in Paris, France. She's married with children. I know it's like, and then my friend, um, uh, oh my God, why am I drawing a black now? Her last name is Powell. Um, she was the one that stole the bottle of wine on the airplane, but she lives in, she's from Lake Oswego, Oregon, now lives in Livermore, California. She's a real estate agent. So, but you know, we're still friends on Facebook. And so it's an amazing thing. Yeah. The network, right? So your network just continues to grow to the point where if you can tag back, you know, 30 years, you're kind of like, wow, you know, you start with very small number of networks and then now as an adult. So I think Absolutely. that's one of the things I think that I want to tell you that I think I learned the most, that was the most important skill was uh, figuring it out. Figuring it out is a huge skill that a lot of kids don't have, right? They put their phone down and they look at you and they're like, so now figuring it out. Yes. I mean, um, so I think that my trip would have been even better if it would have been in a UNESCO World Heritage Site. My, I was in a little town. So well, there's not a lot to see in my town. Um, but I think that if we would have been in a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and if you don't know what a UNESCO World Heritage Site is, the definition is a United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization that has been put together by United Nations. And so there's so many around the world. Uh, the number one country with the most UNESCO World Heritage Sites is Italy. Yes, yes. They have... Cinque Terre, the Colosseum, uh, Venice, um, uh, the Vatican. But, you know, our our place where we take our students uh, in the summer program is Osco, Osco, <laughs> also Osco. a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is in Cordoba, Spain. So Spain is, um, is a third or fourth in the list. They have 49 UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And Cordoba, this happens to be one of them. Cordoba, Cordoba has four. Huh? Cordoba has four sites. Four sites. So just a quick history. So Cordoba was founded by the Romans in 2 BC. Girl, that's not old. I, I can already see I can already see your history cycle circles going. Girl, so you know when we take our students to Cordoba. You know, we do meet with them, and it depends. It depends if we're there beforehand. Uh, if we're already there in Spain waiting for our students, um, the students that are traveling are traveling with a travel ambassador, which is one of the students that we had um, in the program previously. So he will accompany the students through the whole process in the airport, checking in, making sure that we, if there's any connecting flights, that make sure everyone's on the flight. And just basically, you know, hurting the students, make sure nobody gets too excited and, you know, they miss their flight. And when and, and then when they arrive at the train station in Cordoba, we are there waiting, um, you know, with transportation to our house. And our house is actually located right across the river. And how do you pronounce the river? El Guadalquivir. Guadalquivir? El, Guadal el Rio Guadalquivir. 
Um, and the bridge that you quant cross over is um, El Puente Romano, which leads you right into the Jewish quarters, La Juderia. And from our house, you could see the Mesquita, which is a UNESCO site. And it's funny because to me, I've been to Spain all my life. That's where I grew up. And your travel is different from my travel because I would go there not even realizing that I was in the midst of the UNESCO sites. I've been there all to me that that was it. And now, you know, looking back, it's like, wow, like to tell the history and to be able to share this with students. So yeah. where they're going to stay, their accommodations is smack in the middle of all these UNESCO sites. They have access to all this history, all this art, all this culture. Um, you cross El Puente Romano, which goes over the Rio Guadalquivir, right into the Juderia. You go straight into the Mesquita. You got La Calahorra. You got... Um, uh, what's the other one? El Alcazar. Uh, you know, there's an immense amount of history, but more beautiful is that they get to explore it by walking. There's, there is not the driving. We minimize the driving only because the best way to see things is by walking and stopping by and just peeping in to see, hey, this is what's going on here. You know, this is the music going on there. So, yeah, accommodations are ideal for any student, um, you know, and it's near public transportations because what do the children get to do? The students get to do? They get to ride the bus to school every morning. They so they have Spanish classes from nine to 11 with our wonderful professors uh, who are born and raised in Cordoba, Spain. And so they take off in the morning. They have breakfast at home. We prepare breakfast and then they get on the bus and they go to school for two and a half hours. They're there. Usually while they're out, they'll have lunch on their own just because they don't want to get back to the house. After lunch, you know, they will come ahead. They will come and, and come back home because there is a very serious siesta, you know, going oh, on. Don't mess with the siesta. The siesta, is, the siesta is sacred time. It's sacred. And don't be talking about it. You better not go to the chicken man. You know, at, at you know, three o'clock talking about is your chicken ready? Because he's going to tell you no. So we definitely do transition the students into understanding what the local um, custom rhythm of the day is. And so, yes, in the morning, st students will have their breakfast. They go, they walk to the bu uh, public uh, bus stop and they take them straight to the school. They do their classes, come back. There's lunch prepared and then the siesta time. Um, but one of the things that we like to tell our students is we want to have a uh, knowledge of that in your surrounding areas, businesses shut down because it's siesta time. This is not optional. This is a, this is an obligatory take a nap time to whatever you want to do. It's like, it's like preschool. It's like preschool. Take a nap. Um, but you know, we have snacks and everything because like you said, you know, when they reopen, it doesn't mean that the food is ready. It means that they're opening because they're going to start to cook the food. So this is all stuff that we get acclimated to. Um, well, we, we say this. It was open at eight. And so I rolled up at eight because I was hungry. And then he yelled at me and he said, I said, I opened at eight. When did you think I was cooking the chickens? Of course, I'm, an, I'm a capitalist. And I'm thinking, weren't you cooking them when you were sleeping? But I guess not. That's just me. No. They don't shut down. They literally do not shut down to prepare and clean up and get everything ready. They shut down to sleep <laughs> and to eat. And then they come back 
and they start their business, which, you know, in retrospect, think about it, Sandy, like we go, go, go. Everybody, when everybody's down, we're still working, right? Which is what we were talking about Thanksgiving holiday. We kind of really take a step back to really enjoy the time, whether it was, you know, curating your perfectly panes con chupe turkey, you know, or me, you know, having my little ones decorating and doing cookies and all that fun stuff. But they really do have another perspective to life. And I think it was my brother-in-law or a cousin of mine that said, you guys uh, live to work and we work to live. And I didn't quite understand it until now, being that we've been back to Spain a few times. I'm like, they really do take the time to take care of themselves. Yeah, Part of it do. is resting, right? Socializing. That's another component that we want the students to know. There's a lot of socializing. You will get to meet a lot of students your age, you know, hang out. And, and, and eating. Eating is a huge social eating. event. Eating is a huge, yeah. You know, from, you know, having dinner is not just a 30-minute thing. It really no. is an event. Sitting down and Connect. talking, connecting Connect. and sharing stories. Connect. Huge. You know, that's the wonderful thing. And, and, you know, and they don't eat dinner until probably 9, no. 30, 10 o'clock. So you're not done with your activities until probably midnight or one o'clock in the morning. Although the sun doesn't go down until about nine thirty or ten, so the the nights are definitely uh, the days are longer. Yes, and so you know the days just last longer. Uh, but the the connectivity of having uh, the freedom of you know walking across the bridge to go explore because there's so much to explore within the Juderia and that small section. I mean, Cordoba is not a huge city, but in the in in, in the Juderia itself, it's such so many things you can see. There's shows, oh, yeah. there's museums, there's a Roman bath houses. There's a lot of influence, like um, uh, Northern Africa, um, Arab influence, of course, Spanish, flamencos. I mean, there's so many things you can just enthrall yourself into. And if you're a shy person, so I'm somebody else is going to pull you out because the well, teachers also sure. try to to you know get you out to go and meet people and talk to people and experience the day to day life. The whole the whole purpose of that is to be able to um, experience a social connection with people who live there, so you know what it feels like to live in another country. Um, it's not 100%. the same as you stay at a hotel. You know, or if you if you stay in the city for two, three days and then you move on, that's not the same thing. This is three weeks of staying in the same city with weekend trips to Malaga, which is uh, the hometown of uh, Picasso and of 